Hello and welcome. You're listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show podcast. Join me as we go delving through the archives to find out about people, places and events that happened in the past. These were stories that were big news in their day, but are largely forgotten now. Most of these podcasts have been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. And one of the great things about this podcast is that I can go into more detail about each story because there are no time constraints. And it's really easy to show your support just by spreading the word, leaving reviews and sharing with all your family and friends. It really does help. If you want to get in touch with me with show ideas, comments or information, you can via Twitter or Facebook by using at Backtracker UK with a capital B, capital T and a capital UK or emailing me at info at backtracker.co.uk Now, on with the show. And so, the event we'll be talking about today occurred on the 13th of August, 1791. And let's find out what else happened that year. Well, during April of that year, William Wilberforce introduces a bill to Parliament to abolish the slave trade. But unfortunately, it was defeated. The 21st of June sees the foundation of the Ordnance Survey to start the task of officially mapping the country. On the 22nd of September, Michael Faraday, the scientist, was born. He contributed to the study of electromagnetism and electrochemistry. The 4th of December sees the first issue of The Observer, the world's first Sunday newspaper, published. On the 26th of December, Charles Babbage, mathematician and inventor, was born. He's considered by some to be the father of the computer, Babbage is credited with inventing the first mechanical computer, the Difference Engine, that eventually led to more complex electronic designs. And lastly, during 1791, the score for the Indigent Blind, the oldest specialist school of its kind in Britain, is founded in Liverpool by blind ex-merchant seaman, writer and abolitionist Edward Rushton. But our event we'll be talking about today happened during the summer of 1791, when William Burt was supposed to be the first person to be hanged on the gatehouse roof of the new Gloucester prison. Now, even though William was supposed to be hanged, he decided not to wait for the executioner and took his own life in the condemned cell. See, the charge of murder against Burt was far from being a straightforward case Bert was a carpenter, 26 years of age, who lived in Tewkesbury. He had been walking out with Sarah Powell, who was a servant maid in the household of a Tewkesbury family. In the spring of 1791, Sarah had discovered that she was pregnant, and William had given her a powder to take in the hope of inducing a miscarriage. Unfortunately, the powder caused the death of both mother and child. Sarah Powell had lingered on for 11 days after taking the powder and so she was able to tell her doctor who had given her the substance and why. 
Word of the Week. And this week, the word I give you is... Taradiddle, which is a slang term meaning a small lie, a fib, but it has no clear etymology. Although the second element may be the verb diddle, to move back and forth or up and down quickly. But the first part, Tara, has no explanation at all. Taradiddle entered English at the end of the 18th century. After Sarah's death, William was committed to Tewkesbury Jail at first, then was removed by Habeas Corpus to wait trial at the Assizes. Habeas Corpus, by the way, is a writ used to bring a prisoner or other detainee before the court to determine if the person's imprisonment or detention is lawful. And this particular move happened in April 1791, before the new prison opened. So he was held in the old jail in Gloucester Castle, where the conditions were terrible. In the last week of July, although the building works were not entirely finished, the new prison was judged to be fit for occupation, and the prisoners were moved from the crumbling old castle keep into their new quarters, where everyone had their own cell in which to sleep. Bert was held in the jail section of the prison to await his trial, which took place on Friday the 12th of August. When the press reported on the trial, they were not sympathetic to Bert. They said he had deluded the deceased under a promise of marriage when she told him she was pregnant, painting him as a rather deceitful character. They went on to say he gave her a small quantity of powder, telling her it would do her no harm, but rather would do her good, as he had taken twice as much in the past. Back at her home, she had taken the powder with some sugar, after which she was seized with violent vomitings, and after lying in agony for 11 days... She died. It was clear that William Burt had never intended that Sarah Powell should die, so it might have been thought that he would have faced a charge of manslaughter rather than murder. However, the judge explained that... Having recommended to her a medicine to procure abortion and death ensuing, he was considered as guilty of murder. According to a well-known principle of English law, the judge said... Where death ensues in the consequence of an illegal act, malice is implied, and the offence with its consequences is deemed murder. <laughs> Word on the street. Righto, get your walking shoes on, because we're off to Lawrence Hill in Bristol, BS5. The name originated from the leper hospital that stood here for hundreds of years, and when it was no longer needed for its original use, it became a manor house. The last bits could be seen as late as 1820. The Church of St Lawrence was built on the site in 1889 and demolished in the 1960s. Back in William's day, abortion was an illegal act, so he was considered to be guilty of murder. The judge added that although Sarah Powell might be an accomplice with him in the guilty design, her account of how Bert had encouraged her to take the powder was enough to fix the crime upon the man. The source of the powder had not been discovered, nor exactly what it contained. 
but the surgeon who attended Sarah Powell was sure it was poisonous and had caused her death. Bert was said to have remained calm during the trial and when receiving the death sentence, but when he was taken from the bar... His confidence forsook him and he fainted away in the pen and as he was conducting away from the court, he dropped down again in a fit. The evening after receiving the death sentence, Bert arrived back at prison and was conducted to the condemned cell to await his execution, which was to take place on the following Monday, the 15th of August. As he was taken to the cell, he was said to have... wrung his hands as in the utmost misery and despair. The next morning, when his cell door was unlocked, he was found hanging and dead. The prison surgeon made a brief note of the incident in his journal. 13th of August, 1791. William Burt meant to hang on 15th of August, but hanged himself in cell. The coroner's inquest was held later that day, and it was said that Burt's body had been quite cold when the cell door had been opened. He had twisted the sheet of his bed and fastened it to the bars of the window, then tied the other end in a running knot around his neck, before throwing himself from his bedstead. The inquest jury returned a verdict of Philo de Say. This translates roughly as crime against himself, and the verdict had great significance as it meant that Bert's body was ordered to undergo the traditional fate of suicides, who were judged to have been of sound mind at the time they took their own lives, which was to be buried at a crossroads without any Christian service. The Gloucester Journal of the 18th of August 1791 reported that on that same Saturday, Bert's body was buried in a crossroad near Tewkesbury. Treatment of the bodies of those buried at crossroads varied, but they were supposed to be desecrated in some way, such as having a stake put through their body. The newspapers gave no details about what happened in Bert's case. As you can imagine, the authorities weren't that keen to disclose the exact burial places of suicides, so there aren't any details of Burt's burial site. However, Bennett's History of Tewkesbury, published in 1830, gives some useful information on the subject. The corpse was sent by order of the coroner to the parish officers at Tewkesbury and buried in the crossroad at the entrance into the lane which leads to the lodge near the House of Industry. The House of Industry mentioned there, later Tewkesbury Workhouse, was south of the town, on Gloucester Road. An examination of a map of Tewkesbury from 1835 shows that the most likely place of burial is in the area with the lane leading to the lodge, now Lincoln Green Lane, on the left and a lane to the right, just before the House of Industry, which now leads to the cemetery. medieval world, suicide was seen as a crime against God and man. Thomas Aquinas, whose works profoundly influenced medieval theology, said that suicide was sinful for three reasons. The first, that killing oneself violated the divine order. 
God gives life and takes away life. And taking your own life is taking that decision out of God's hands and into your own. The second reason was that suicide was a crime against society because everyone belongs to a community and killing yourself does harm to that community. Finally, the act of suicide upends the natural order because the natural tendency of living things is to try to preserve its own life, not lose it. Suicide was also deemed a felony, a crime against the crown, because you were depriving your lord and ultimately the king of your labour by killing yourself. So this was seen as theft, and the crown was within its rights to seek repayment in the form of the deceased's property. It was common then for a suicide's property to be confiscated by the monarchy and for families to go to great lengths to conceal suicides to prevent this. Back in medieval times, crossroads were believed to be otherworldly, godforsaken places, so naturally folklore arose around the reasons for the location choice, and so people speculated that crossroads were required for such burials. To bewilder the ghosts, should it attempt to return? Whatever the reason may have been, it stopped when the passing of the Burial of Suicide Act of 1823 was enforced. This act came about due to a greater understanding of mental illness and depression, particularly after the suicide of then Foreign Secretary Lord Castlereagh in 1822. He went on to be buried in Westminster Abbey. Many Londoners were also shocked in 1823 at the crossroads burial of Abel Griffith, a disturbed young man who killed his father, he was buried at the junction of Eaton Street, Grosvenor Place and the King's Road. The Act passed, which allowed suicides, private burial in a churchyard, but only at night and without a Christian service. A review of the law resulted in a new Act in 1882, allowing burial in daylight hours. Parliament did not decriminalise the suicide. Parliament didn't decriminalise suicide until 1961, despite the fact that it had been suggested in 1823. Are you tired of seeing the latest social media trends and fearing the worst? Does the daily news bring you down? Are you looking for something new and fun to listen to? Well, well, that's, that's where, where we, we come, come in. in. Hi. Hi. It's Frankie. And Garrett. And we host The Ever Trending Story, a weekly podcast where we present a fictional story utilizing the hottest happenings in the world and bring it straight to your earbuds. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go to anchor.fm slash evertrendingpod and subscribe today. In the news today, boffins in Bristol have discovered the reason penguins can't fly. It's because they're not tall enough to be pilots. Back in the day, facts. And so we start with the 9th of December, 1868, when the first traffic lights are installed outside the Palace of Westminster in London, resembling railway signals, 
They use semaphore arms and are illuminated at night by red and green gas lamps. On the 10th of December 1936, Edward VIII signs the instrument of abdication, giving up the British throne to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson. Edward is one of the shortest reigning monarchs in British history. The day after his abdication, Edward, who became the Duke of Windsor, left the UK and married Simpson in France on June 3, 1937. As the Duchess of Windsor, she was denied the style of Her Royal Highness by the new king, which infuriated his brother. She remained an outcast from the royal family for the rest of her life. That year, the Windsors made a high-profile tour of Germany and met Adolf Hitler. He said of her, she would have made a good queen. On the 11th of December 1395, John Eleanor Reichener, a male cross-dressing prostitute, is brought to court in London for committing that detestable, unmentionable and ignominious vice. In late medieval England's only recorded case on same-sex intercourse, the verdict is unknown. The 12th of December 1977 and Saturday Night Fever, the film starring John Travolta with music by the Bee Gees, premieres. On the 13th of December 1577, Francis Drake sets sail from England on an epic three-year circumnavigation of the world aboard the Pelican, which is later renamed the Golden Hind. And talking about gold, on the 14th of December 1961, Jimmy Dean's Big Bad John is the first country song to get a gold record. And lastly, on the 15th of December 1840, Napoleon Bonaparte receives a French state funeral in Paris 19 years after his death. I hope you enjoyed today's show, but I'm afraid that's it from me. You've been listening to Alice on the Backtracker History Show, but the real stars today have been David Hale, Sam Roberts and Molly Jeffries from St. Stephen's Drama Group in Bristol, as well as Bradley Stokes Radio's very own Steve Shepherd. Thank you, one and all. I've had some amazing feedback from you guys recently, and it's been brilliant. Just going to let you know now that I'll be having a week off, because I'm going into hospital to have an operation, and I just need a little bit of a rest afterwards, apparently. But all going well, there should be an episode for you around Christmas time. Thank you once again for listening to me, Alice, on the Backtracker History Show. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking up at Backtracker UK with a capital B, a capital T and a capital UK. I also occasionally post onto TikTok and Instagram. So do come along and find me because it's amazing to hear from you and get some feedback or even ideas for future shows. As a small independent podcaster, your help and support is always appreciated. And one way you can do that is to rate the show wherever you get your podcasts. Leaving a review also helps as it gives other people an idea of what the show's about. The show is regularly released on Mondays. So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other. (laughs) 